This is the post-game podcast on the Blood Red channel, bringing you all the big match reaction with views from the press box, the dugout and the stands. Four goals, three points, two for Diego Jota and one point off first place. Hello and welcome to the post-game podcast with me, Patrick Smith, as we dissect Liverpool's 4-0 smashing of Southampton. A first-half brace from Jota and a deflected effort from Thiago Alcantara surged the Reds into a 3-0 lead, surpassing the milestone of 700 goals under manager Jurgen Klopp. Virgil van Dijk volleyed home against his former club in the second half as the Reds played out a comfortable victory at home as they prepare for Wednesday's derby at Goodison Park. We'll hear from the Liverpool Echo's Paul Gorst, Reds manager Jurgen Klopp in his press conference, and the reaction from the stands, with Stephen Dawson, Mike Holt, Owen Thomas and Mark Baker giving their thoughts. Game podcast on the Blood Red Channel. Liverpool are up to second in the Premier League after a convincing 4 0 win here against Southampton this afternoon. It uh, means that Liverpool have uh, secured back to back 4 0 home wins um, here at Anfield in the Premier League, and there was a 2 0 win against Porto, sandwiched in between that. So, 10 goals without replies since the resumption of football uh, last week. Um, Jürgen Klopp said he hated international breaks prior to the most recent one, but uh, certainly done his team a world of the good. Um, they were uh, 1-0 uh, up after less than two minutes, Diogo Jota, one of six changes to the team, uh, he slid in from Andy Robertson's cross, who was another uh, change, he was brought in in place of Kostas Shimakas and the Scotland captain was excellent throughout, um, set up Jota early on, and then Salah set up Jota for another tap-in, um, as Liverpool uh, really turned the screw on Southampton, and from there you never really felt that Southampton were going to force their way back into it in the way that Brighton did here a few weeks ago, um, Thiago Alcantara, it's been a great week for him. He made a 3-0 with a uh, shot via the deflection after a wonderful little step over on the edge of the box. He deserved the slice of luck in all honesty. Um, it's been a good week, as I say. He was superb against Arsenal last week and he capped it off, um, capped off his performance against Porto on Wednesday with one of the goals of the season. And um, was given a standard ovation here when he made way in the second half for Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain. And then that was after Virgil van Dijk had volleyed home from a Trent Alexander-Arnold corner to make it 4-0 uh, Liverpool. Quite uh, comfortable winners in the end, and then up to 39 goals for the season. It's the most they've ever scored at this stage of the campaign under Jurgen Klopp. Uh, they're up to second. Um, Chelsea and Manchester City play on Sunday against um, Manchester United and West Ham, respectively. So Liverpool will, of course, be watching on with interest tomorrow uh, for those games. But uh, job done here. Uh, Liverpool, um, as I say, uh, another clean sheet for a miserly looking defence. Virgil van Dijk alongside Ibrahim and Canate today. And, um, Southampton never really looked like threatening. Alisson Becker made a couple of decent saves, but um, you never really felt that Ralph Hasenhutl's team were going to do anything other than walk away back to the south coast with um, zero points. It's finished here in Anfield, Liverpool, for Southampton, nil. The post-game podcast on the Blood Red Channel. I, I was going to say, I know you're going to talk about individuals all the time, but I mean, Diogo, I wanted to just mention him. I mean, he... he he, 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 I mean, he always delivers, doesn't he? I mean, he's delivered so well since he joined the club. And I just wonder if you just speak about his performance today and just overall contribution, his importance, really, which would show today again. I did not say from the beginning, but I think you spoke about Yogo, right? Yes, that's right. Yes. <laughs> yeah, good yeah, tricks to talk about. Yeah, Yogo, exceptional player, exceptional boy. Um, was for us two years ago. Two years ago? I don't know, maybe just one and a half years ago. Yeah. Yeah. So perfect signing because um, he has everything what uh, a Liverpool player on this squad needs. He has, uh, he has the technical skills, he has um, 
the physical skills and he's very smart and can learn all the tactical stuff pretty quick. On top of that, he can play all three positions. If you put him in a 4 2 3 one, we could play him the 10. Um, so it's very helpful, has the speed, has the desire uh, to finish situations off and um, really good. So he's saying his goal scoring record is pretty impressive, if I'm right. Unfortunately, he had a um, big injury um, last year um, and that is um, never helpful. Uh, but he's back, thank God. Um, and um, yeah, fits really well in this team and I'm really happy for him. Actually, today I thought they could have made a slightly better decision before he then scored. Maybe he was smart enough um, to wait for the next ball that he can finish it um, off easier. But um, I thought we should have scored with a situation before already. But all good. And Diogo um, is a good player. I mean, I, I was just going to say that it, it takes this kind of special character to to have come to Liverpool when you, you saw what Mo, Bobby uh, Firmino and, and Sadio have done and feel as though you can, you know, not only being understood stuff, he's more than that. I mean, I think it, it takes a certain character to, to do that. Yeah, but it's the right it's the right decision because when we when we like hypothetically talk to a player and he said, yeah, where will I play? Yeah, you, you decide about that with your performance, by the way. Um, it's not written in stone that we always start with the same lineup, but that our, all other players are really good in our squad as well. That should be not a surprise. Um, but in the end, it's about making 30, 30, five really good games instead of uh, getting somehow through a season and playing 50 games. So um, it's completely normal that you that you have to get rested and all these kind of things. And for these moments, you need more than 11 players in a squad. Definitely, you know that. And you need more than three strikers, even when you play with three strikers. And that's what we have, thank God. And he was smart enough to see that. And that's why he made the move. And that's why he can contribute so well. Thank you. Graham Bailey is next. We haven't got a video, but it doesn't matter if you want to turn your mute off, Graham, and uh, ask the question, and then we'll go to Paul, unless we've got other hands. Graham Bailey doesn't appear to has asked to join the panel, but no question, Graham. Okay, just give us a second. Hello. Oh, yes, go on, Graham, fire away. Hi, Jürgen. Obviously, we're coming Hi. closer to January now when you will be, unfortunately, losing Sadio Mane and Mo Salah. Have you had any confirmation yet of whether the players will be available for the Chelsea game in early January? Not really. It's early for that. Um, we're still, we're still talking. But you're hoping that they, you may get an agreement. For that. <laughs> yes. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, James Pierce, and then Paul to finish. James. Hi, Jurgen. That, that's that's 39 Premier League goals for Liverpool already this season in 13 games, the most Liverpool have ever scored at this stage of the top-flight season. That fluency must absolutely delight you. And where do you think that, what is the main difference? Is it just the fact you've got key personnel back this season compared to last season, that you've rediscovered that fluency of the title winning season? I think it's it's not so easy to talk about football games when you lose them like we did last year too often in a specific period of the season, but I, I I knew what we are lacking. We, we, we were lacking stability. We didn't have stability, not because we had no center half for a while and had to find solutions for that. The problem was that we were like in an early stage, we were like shocked that we that we cannot play the football anymore we wanted to play because we didn't have the, the stability and, uh, and and which we have now, obviously, with the 
that everybody knows exactly what he has to do. When you put the midfielders back in the last line, then you put midfielders in the line who usually don't play there or are protected by either Hendo or Fab. And now they play double six and these kind of things. So that's a problem. And all of a sudden you lose you lose your rhythm. And um, that's what happened to us last year. We had to find solutions. Thank God we found the solution early enough to qualify for the Champions League. Um, and this year we had a preseason, which was a proper preseason, which was incredibly helpful. And especially um, up front, um, Sadio and Mo, they had a, the longest preseason, I'm pretty sure they had for ages. Um, and that was helpful. Um, so we could really work on a lot of things and um, found the stability back. Talking about stability, I was not happy with the chances we conceded today, to be honest. Um, because the, I have no problem that Ali um, has to make saves in a football game, but these saves were too spectacular. Um, one one against a goalie should not happen twice in a game, for sure not. Um, so uh, we have to really um, work on that. We have to to be as stable, serious, ruthless defensively as somehow possible. That gives us then. Uh, the platform to to play football and then we can create and then we can score. It will not be forever like this that we score two goals per game, but it happened so far and um, so good. But if we win a game 1-0, I'm happy as well. Final question in the press, uh, Paul Joyce. Yeah, again, um, I know you're always confident that when the players were back that you would um, do well again as a team, win matches again. How much credit do the players deserve, though, for, for being on this run? Because we shouldn't take them for granted, really. It, it, the, the, the playing of you know quality football every game at the moment. Yeah. So we look. It is about that. It's um, my job is to set a team up. My job is to make a lineup. To 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 organize training sessions. To help them creating an atmosphere in the team. But then on the on the pitch, the boys have to helpful if they follow the the, 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 the tips or advice or hints we gave them, but um, they have to to do it themselves. That's how it is. And um, the things what happened to this team in the last few years, was, uh, they were special and that's um, mostly because of the outstanding mindset and mentality of the boys. They um, push each other, um, which is absolutely helpful. And um, we, I see it actually that way. I'm not surprised and I don't think now we deserve too much credit for trying to play the best football possible every three days, because I think it should be possible three times a week, but I don't take it for granted as well. So uh, we have nothing else to do during these 95 minutes. So let's play as good as somehow possible. That's the way we see it. And, and sometimes it works out and sometimes not. It's only three games ago that we lost at West Ham and it was all of a sudden we didn't only lose at West Ham. We drew two games before, if I'm right. So all, what? Certainly the prime. Yeah, we drew games before. Um, so all of a sudden we were in a, in, a, in a bad moment. Now we look like we're in a better moment. The season is too long to think about these kind of things. We are able to play good football, so we have to force ourselves to do it always. Do you ever look at last season as a lost season because the no. team together? Do you ever get, no. I learned a lot. I learned a lot. So it's like that. I made mistakes. So it's like it's like it's easy for me to look back and think that was wrong. That was wrong. But in the moment when we made decisions, when we put the midfielders back, um, 
and then played without protection in between. <laughs> Last line deeper, not really compact, a lot of moments. So maybe we should have just played Reese and, and, and Nate earlier, completely together and, and trust the boys more. I, in a moment, in that moment, I thought they were not ready. Later on, they were ready. Now they could both play. No problem, really, no, no doubt about that. Um, but that would have given us a bit more stability in other areas. And so we, we how I said, we lose center halves. Uh, it's like breaking a leg. But if you put the center halves then in the, uh, if you put the midfielders then in, in the last line and open up other gaps, then you break your spine. I and mean, all of a sudden you cannot walk anymore. That's exactly like it was last, last year. Um, and again, I learned, it was not a lost season. I learned more than in other seasons. Um, but it was a difficult season and finishing that season on a, in a third position is absolutely an exceptional achievement, to be honest. I said it a couple of times, it was outstanding. Um, but we don't think too much about that anymore. We are this season, it's difficult enough. We won a game in a very good manner. Um, nothing else happened, really. The Post Game Podcast on the Blood Red Channel. Steve Dawson on Liverpool's 4-0 win at Anfield against Southampton. Another very satisfying performance. Clean sheet. We're banging the goals in, aren't we? Looking really, really good, Liverpool. It's it's all very satisfying stuff. I thought Andy Robertson had a, a super first half um, and, and a, not a bad second half either. I, th- I think I'm right in saying that Jurgen Klopp has gone on record as saying that Andy Robertson's the best left-back in the world and that Trent Alexander-Arnold is the best... Right back in the world. That's not bad, is it? We've got the two best fullbacks on the planet. They're so different as well. I mean, it, it really provides real challenge for the opposition. I mean, Trent's all about what he does with the ball. Absolute quality when he when he centres the ball. But Andy Robertson, you know, hits in a super ball from the left as well, curling away from the goalkeeper very often, just falling in front of the strikers so that they have a, you know, a real gift of an opportunity to just put the ball over the line very often. He whips it in in a different way to the style that Trent uses. Um, there's, a, there's a lot of pace in Andy Robertson's ball. He, he, w- he would drive it in many times. Not quite as cultured, I suppose, but in many ways just as effective. But he's also tremendously energetic isn't he very quick over the fir- over over 20 yards or so uh, and longer you know he can he can he can break at pace over over long distances from deep in his own half pushing forward but over 20 yards he gets a jump on the ball that i think is so difficult to to try and shut down you know he, he reads the game so well um, if I had to mark, if I had to mark one of either Trent or, or Andy Robertson, I think I'd rather pick up Trent because I think Andy Robertson just gives you a physical nightmare of a ninety minutes with pace and energy, and yeah, and physically as well. You know, he'll 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 get a get a hold of you, push you about. You know, we've seen plenty of that. Super player, great to have him back, and the fact that we've got Costos Simicas there available to make sure that he gets all the rest he needs is going to be a vital part of our season and and speaking of rest uh, and and still concentrating on on the back line i continue to be fascinated by how jürgen plays the central defensive lineup with the with the four 
top quality central defenders we have and of course it goes deeper than just those four we have <laughs> an embarrassment of riches now um, <laughs> compared to how we we struggled through last season with that ridiculous stretch of injuries I think you know just just trying to read what what Jurgen thinks and how and how he views our our central defensive lineup I reckon he favors Joel Matip uh, as Virgil's number one partner at the moment and I think he's okay to play Joel Matip twice in the space of four days but I don't think he's so confident of giving him a run of three matches in seven or eight I think then he starts to worry and I think this is where Konate will come in and it'll take time but this is the the situation the system in which Konate will build himself into a Liverpool player over the next year or so um, coming in like every third game or so for Joel Matip uh, and in games such as the next Champions League match where we we have nothing to gain it's a great opportunity to to bring players in and give our um, our first string players and let's say our um, our players who you know are, are or have a record of not being able to to sustain themselves over uh, a period of time without picking up injuries a nice rest and um, I think Konate's you know absolutely in the right spot at the moment it's going to be a nice comfortable learning curve for him with plenty of football how Joe Gomez fits into this when he gets fitter obviously remains to be seen I do think though that Gomez has an outlet that the other three don't really have and that is at right back he's clearly not as good a right back as Trent Alexander-Arnold and he's clearly a very different right back he's a more defensive right back the kind of right back that that you know England tend to look at they overlook Trent because I think he doesn't quite fit into their system but um I think Joe Gomez is is the sort of right back that Gareth Southgate would be more comfortable in choosing and although he provides a very very different option to Trent and one that's not nearly as effective going forward I think he's reasonably reliable at right back I don't rate Nico Williams young young player um, solid lad for sure but I, I don't think he's going to make it at Anfield. I don't think he's going to have a career at the club. Um, you know, he, he's had some he's had some outings in recent times that have been better than some of the slightly disappointing outings that I'd seen from him a year or so ago. But I, I don't think he's going to reach that level. I think your first option in terms of giving Trent a rest going forward will be. Joe Gomez um, just finally on, on our midfield three probably that is the dream combination isn't it Fabinho Henderson and Thiago lovely to see Thiago getting amongst the goals now but also nice to see him enjoying the football the smile the, the way he's looked you know after these last two goals he scored in celebration there's a great deal of satisfaction there I think now he's starting to really feel at home I enjoyed the way he shared his celebration with the substitutes there I think Minamino was 
one among them. You could see from one particular angle how pleased he was to watch Thiago celebrate, and then they joined him on the field. I'd also say that Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, who hasn't shown particularly positive body language in recent times, I thought got stuck in when he came on the field. But more importantly, he seemed to have his rhythm back. He was up to speed and we need that from him. And of course, he's only really going to acquire that kind of rhythm if he keeps getting football. And uh, I think this may be something that that Jürgen has to has to figure out how he can keep Oxlade Chamberlain involved in the squad because he seems in recent times to get a little bit despondent when he's not there and he's he's had some some really uh, tough battles with injuries over his time at Anfield but now that he's fit we need to keep him busy in the same sort of way that I've I've mentioned we we need to keep Konate busy um, if we can do that you know there's no reason why we can't continue to have this wonderfully successful season so far Everton next come on you red men at Galasahi on Twitter G-U-L-A-S-A-H-I Mike Holt from Go In The Match podcast reflecting on Liverpool 4 Southampton 0 um, the Reds keep up their winning streak at Anfield um, off the back of that Arsenal game and obviously the Porto game Six goals um, and two clean, two clean sheets. Um, going into this one with the exact same record of a a four nil um, deficit of Southampton. Really, um, I'm not too sure these sort of games are ones where you go in and thinking it's a full gone conclusion. But as soon as you've got Jota gets that goal in the first two minutes, you're looking at the game and thinking it is. That's exactly what it turned into. Um, Southampton didn't really lay a glove on us. Quite interesting. They went into a back three for this game. And that was quite suicidal, to be quite honest, from Hasselhutten. But, you know, they reverted to their normal shape in the second half and they looked a lot more comfortable. So don't think the managers really helped themselves there. But I think it was inevitable that this Liverpool team were just going to decimate them, to be quite honest. Um, you know, looking at the starting eleven, we went full strength. Um, some people were questioning Canati coming in, but I thought he was really good against Porto. Um, he's got to get the minutes in the tank. You know, we've got to rotate. We've got to give the likes of Matip a rest, and that's why we bought Canati. Um, and I thought he played really well. Um, I think he got put under pressure a few times. Um, you know, the the throw-in from Trent, and it, you know, in that instance, it's good to see him tested and see what he's made of. So, no, I thought he was really good. Um, in terms of the goals, obviously Jota picks. Picks up two, could have had a hat-trick, really. Um, Thiago getting his name on the score sheet again. You know, fortunate with the deflection, but he's getting himself to the edge of that box. Um, and I think I like seeing him at the edge of the box. Um, you know, he's got that in him that he can shoot or he can thread a little ball through to one of the front three. Um, or sometimes the way we were going to front eight. Um, and Van Dijk pops up with one, which, you know, the season we won the league, he was popping up and contributing that season. You know, it's really nice to see. Um, but yeah, it, it did turn into a bit of a foregone conclusion. We we controlled the game. We finished them off in the first half, so they had nothing to come back. Almost like the Brighton game. I can't let that one go. 2-0 <laughs> um, up. You know, you need to get the third to kill it, and that's exactly what we did today. You don't let the, t- the opposition back in. Um, and, you know... Obviously, this game's at 3 o'clock on a Saturday. 
City have got to play, Chelsea have got to play. You know, again, we're asking those those rivals to go again and get their victories. So it's good to put the pressure on them. Um, and we just keep going. You know, I think Henderson said it at the end of the game. You don't want to send a statement out. Obviously, that's what we're doing. But we focus on the next game. We get the three points on the board. And so long as we carry on with that mentality throughout the season, this Liverpool team will go very, very far. The Post Game Podcast on the Blood Red Channel. Hello, this is Owen from Cop On Podcast. On the 13th of June, 2019, two chefs in a place called Oneonta, New York State, produced what they claimed to be the world's largest recorded donut. In many ways, the giant hole in the centre of Southampton's defence today was even larger than that of the aforementioned cake, and by the end of the match, the Saints' players looked even more fried. Having kept three clean sheets in their previous five games, Southampton fans might have expected a bit better before kick-off today, and by the end of it, might have been a bit miffed by the ease in which Liverpool were able to score three of our four goals. But from our point of view, uh, you know, it, it's just marvellously encouraging, isn't it, that with more and more players returning from injury at a critical time, we were able to finish off our big chances so well. In the chaotic and congested city that we call the Premier League, this was easy street, but credit to our players for making it seem so. Many might skim over Alison Becker's first-half performance, but the three massive saves he made were all huge moments, and it's glorious that he's showing such consistency and presence this season. Long may it continue. Diogo Jota's a funny one, isn't he? I love the guy because anyone who manages seven shots in 80 minutes, with two of them finding the back of the net, can only be referred to as a major threat. However, there are at times in which his hold-up play is far from adequate, although I'm sure our coaches are aware of this, and I also 100% believe that he will improve in this area. In general, of course, there's absolutely nothing to complain about, as Southampton must have viewed Diogo Jota alongside Sadio Mane and Mo Salah as perilously as my mother views a glass perched on the edge of a table. Panic stations all round. This is Owen from Cup On Podcast saying, well, well done, Liverpool. I mean, we could even have done better. I don't think it was absolutely vintage, as vintage as the scoreline suggests, but I'm thoroughly proud i'm really happy and i'm looking forward to wednesday now where the small matter dare i say it the little matter of everton the ev rafa and that rat with tiny arms await come on liverpool really good win and performance from liverpool against southampton and two much needed back-to-back victories after the poor performance and results at west ham 
which obviously badly affected Liverpool and in terms of the points accumulation and falling behind Chelsea and allow Manchester City to leapfrog them and, and one that Liverpool can't really afford on a regular basis if they're going to compete for the, the Premier League title. So very important. But not just obviously accumulating the points in the last two games, but also the manner of the two performances where Liverpool have absolutely been back to the best. I believe it probably helped them, the two op- opponents that played against Southampton and Arsenal, both well, in Arsenal's case, absolutely likely to play from the back, but also Southampton are the team who like to build from their defensive third and Liverpool's positioning and distances to regain possession and counter-attack when the ball's turned over has been first-class, really, in the games. So I thought I'd just touch on two players, really, today. And they were two players who came in last summer, Thiago and Diogo Giotta. They were the two big big signings, obviously, from last year. And, and both uh, had sustained periods of injury for last season. I mean, I'll start with Thiago and a player who is just a fantastic player, one who I've followed throughout his career. He's a big watcher of Barcelona and obviously came into that what was the greatest team ever. And it was just a, a bad look in terms of timing, really, that he was up against Xavi. Iniesta and Busquets for their midfield positions and he was always seen as the higher to, to Xavi really but unfortunately his development and the way his sort of age bracket and when he developed into the side coincided when Xavi was still in his prime and it was difficult for him to accumulate a, a regular amount of minutes and a regular position more like in the side got plenty of minutes but that regular position in the side which he craved and obviously then he moved on to Bayern Munich but as a footballer, he's a, he's an absolutely unique midfield player, Thiago. And all this nonsense that was spouted last season from such lazy journalism and lazy punditry about him slowing the game down for Liverpool, which is just absolute nonsense and always was. I mean, is he a player who can control possession better than any other player in the Liverpool squad and, and dictate the tempo of the game? Absolutely. Liverpool average far more possession or a higher, a larger numeric percentage of possession when he's in the side and it gives Liverpool much more control with which to build the game on a regular basis such as his ability to to pick up spaces in deeper positions and play through the fades and circulate the ball whatever the the game dictate whatever the game needs at that time he's able to adapt to that and slow or speed up the game depending on how he sees fit and very few players in world football have that ability and so the idea as well, you know, that with the lazy punditry and I go back to that again of, OK, slowing Liverpool down. Well, if you look statistically, no one plays more more progressive passes than Thiago. So as well as having that great dictation of the tempo of the game, which he does better than anyone else, he actually progresses the ball more than anyone else as well in that midfield. And in terms of the league is in, you know, the, the highest percentage within individuals within the league in that midfield position for being able to do that and that's not just over a short distance because we know he excels at breaking lines with passes but also over longer distance where he's got an excellent range of pass also so altogether that elite ball progression from that area helps Liverpool be able to transfer the ball quicker throughout the pitch and again just a a total myth in terms of nonsensical lazy arguments that people were putting forward to that so then you'd also think about the, the other aspects of his game 
in which he, he excels in. Now, another one is, well, he doesn't cover the ground good enough, he doesn't press the ball enough. You know, Liverpool are more vulnerable when he's in the side, which, again, is absolute nonsense because uh, I'm confident in the statistics that, apart from Navigator in his time at Liverpool, no player has regained possession of the ball more often than Thiago and been able to, to steal possession. So whilst he hasn't got the physicality which you would necessarily ordinarily think of in a midfielder who's going to win the ball back at, say, for example, a Fabino with that long stride or a Cater who's very quick in short spaces, what Thiago has got is excellent positioning. If you think about the great Barcelona sides, Xavi, Busquets, Iniesta, no team have ever regained the ball as often or as frequently as that team. And a common denominator with all them players is they aren't physical, they aren't the quickest, they aren't the strongest. But in terms of the position and the intelligence to be in the right areas to be able to steal possession, they were the best. And Thiago's no difference in that sense. And if Liverpool, and don't forget, he's come into a side that were a little disjointed last season with players playing out of their normal position and not having that solid base to work from. But he's still, in terms of the numerics of, of actually winning the ball back, was, again, you know, the, one of the most advantageous players for Liverpool in that sense. Now, put him in a side where Liverpool this season, which do have all the, the, the platform to attack and defend to the best of their ability with the best players in the best positions, and his intelligence to win back the ball in terms of his distances with his teammates. And you just get a complete midfield player because you're talking about a elite ball progressor over short or long range, an elite tempo setter within the game in terms of being able to dictate how much possession his team has if he needs, and also a player who's vastly adept at winning the ball back with with the quality of his intelligence, of his positioning. Um, that is just a unique skill set, and, and the only thing that tampered Thiago has been getting them on the field to play for a, a combination of games, which in Liverpool's best team, which then allows him to function to his true potential. I mean, you see his record with Fabinho when they're both in the side together. I think it's something like 13 wins, one draw. I think the one draw was at Everton, ironically, last season when obviously they scored a goal in the last minute of the game. So, And they're no coincidence, the statistics. Great players tend to influence the game more than anybody else and, you know, uh, sides are more profitable when they're on the field of play. And that's certainly the case in Thiago. So if they can keep him fit for a sustained period of time and Liverpool get the right components around him in terms of the midfield setup. Ideally, you Fabinho and Henderson on a regular basis for the Premier League games, then Liverpool are going to be at their absolute strongest. And finally, the other player in Diogo Jota. Really interesting signing when he came into Liverpool because you're always associated with him with being a player for Wolves, mainly playing on the left-hand side of attack. And you wondered, where would he fit in for Liverpool with Manny? Obviously, a player who accumulates so many minutes and is so consistent in the amount of games that he plays. Likewise, Salah on the other side but his adaptability to play throughout all the forward positions. And I must admit, there has been times when I've wondered if he is the absolute elite level to play on a regular basis within a front three for the absolute elite teams, just because of some of the untidiness I've seen in his build-up at times, when he drops into areas and surrenders possession. However, he's getting better all the time in that, in that sense, in his link-up and combinations. And he's an absolute killer within the 18-yard box. I mean, the timing of his movements, his intelligence to take up the positions, to uh, meet passes or meet balls that are slipped across the penalty area, has just been absolutely first class. And 
although his, his goal-scoring record has been fantastic for Liverpool, I think it's around about one in two, he could actually have more goals. There's been times when he's actually missed some really good chances, but he just seems to be quicker than everyone in the, in the terms of in that 18-yard box in terms of his intelligence and movements. And while he isn't rapid, what you'd call sort of having that rapid pace to outstrip opponents, the fact that he's so clever in his mind and his team and movements gives him that yard, two yards, three yards, whatever it may be, to enable him to finish moves or gain opportunities and a massive player for Liverpool to have, really. And you just look at it now and it's massively important that to keep him fit during this period when the, both of the main main two players in Liverpool's attack are going to be absent and his versatility is going to be so important as well. The fact that he's actually dropped into that central area as well and performed so well in there, it wasn't something you necessarily see in his profile when he was playing for Wolves. I know he did operate there once or twice, but the fact of playing in that role for Liverpool and dropping in amongst bodies, which is the hardest position to play on the football field in terms of having your back to goal, pressure from multiple sides. And whilst he doesn't replicate Firmino in that sense that obviously he plays the role a little bit more differently and a little bit higher, his actual effect on, on the Liverpool team has, has not made it a negative effect at all. If anything, you could say his productivity in the box has actually made Liverpool go on a level in terms of the amount of goals they're scoring and how comfortable they're winning games. So when Firmino comes back, you would imagine that he play them wider positions in the attack. But everybody seems to play at this moment in time. He's a massive danger. And what a signing by Liverpool. What an identification of a player who's not only perfect for the side in terms of without the ball and, and attempting to regain it, but the adaptability that he has actually to play in, in, in the highest end of the pitch and the impact he's having. So I just wanted to mention them two players, really. Um, Thiago, world-class, absolutely unbelievable. And Jota, who's a player who's really making the difference where it matters for Liverpool within the opposition box. And both players will be vital, depending on where Liverpool finish uh, come the outcome of the season and keeping them fit is paramount. You've been listening to the Post Game Podcast on the Blood Red Channel.